welcome to the Moonshine Jesus Show, where today we are talking about the new uh, kind of horror comedy show, Megan. We are brought to you by ProgressiveChristianity.org, and we hope you will check out all the good resources there. And as we're getting started, we're just going to start off saying right off the bat that we will have some spoilers if you haven't seen this show. Oh. Just something to know. <laughs> I'm Caleb. I'm here today with my good buddy, Mark. How are you doing today, Mark? I am doing great, man. I'm ready to get into this. I think I think we're probably going to end up with an interesting discussion and and, and maybe some different opinions about the movie. We'll see. Okay. Yeah, okay. I can't wait to see what you think about it because this is a yeah. little bit different for us and it so is. I, it is. I don't I don't know exactly what you're going to think about it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. I'm also excited to see uh what you're drinking today. What ah. you got, Mark? Well, you know, this was a hard one. It's a, a brand new movie and people weren't really sure. But it centers around AI. So here's what I did. I, I went to an open AI platform and asked an artificial intelligence to <laughs> I love this. give give me a cocktail called Megan, spelled with three for the E, using uh-huh. bourbon. Okay. Yeah. And so so this is this is the result I got. It said, Megan, ingredients, two ounces of bourbon, one ounce of lime juice, one ounce of simple syrup, three to four dashes of bitters, half an ounce of orange liqueur, and a splash of club soda. So uh, it's called the, the what, M3, the, the Megan. Uh, yeah. And uh, so I have, I have assembled it. I have not tasted it yet. So I'm very curious <laughs> to see where this ends up going. How about you? What, what did you decide to do? This was a tough one to come up with a themed cocktail, man. It was. I I love the AI slant on that. I know, it right? sounds like it sounds like the way they made old fashions like in the nineteen sixties with us. Yeah, it's kind of like a quick and that. simple old yeah. fashioned, but a, yeah, a little. We'll, we'll see how it ends up, but yeah, pretty close. What'd okay, so my so mine is uh, very simple, but it's based on a scene in the movie. So there's yep. a, a scene where they're doing right. the product testing for the board. And uh-huh. we've we've got uh, this this interaction uh, between the little girl in the movie and Megan, and yeah. uh, and they've they've had this experience where uh, Megan reacts in a way that is unexpected and probably should have thrown up some red flags that things weren't going to go well, but she gets greenlit, sure. uh, and so they go out and they celebrate with just a glass of vodka. And so that True. is what I've got. Just Very vodka nice. today. But, but here's to, Mark, making better decisions than they made in the movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. That's a pretty good drink, man. Yeah. For yeah. artificial intelligence who can't actually taste well, anything, that's not a bad drink. I, you know, maybe they know what they're doing. Mark. (laughs) Okay, let's take another sip and let's come back and get into it. Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. Uh, you're joining us for our show on 
the surprise hit, Megan, spelled with an E. Uh, some people would call it uh, M3gan. Uh, but so for those uninitiated, let me give you a little bit of setup here. Megan is the newest thing in artificial intelligence. She's a, a lifelike doll that's programmed to be a child's closest companion and sort of a parent's dream child rearing assistant, to be honest. Uh, she's designed by uh, Gemma, who's a leading edge roboticist. And, and Megan listens and watches perhaps most disturbingly, learns as she fills the role of friend, teacher, playmate, protector, and also disturbingly parental substitute. And, and, and because of pressure at work, Gemma decides to pair Megan's prototype with her eight-year-old niece, who has recently lost both of her parents in a tragic snowplowing ex- accident, odd enough on its own. <laughs> Uh, and ultimately, it ends up being a decision that leads to increasingly tragic outcomes through the remainder of the movie, which we will, I am sure, be delving into. So, Caleb, I'm very curious about your take on the whole format, the whole setup, and how it all plays out. What 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 did you leave thinking about the movie? Okay, so first of all, this is not the kind of movie that I typically like to watch. And I wasn't sure really what to expect. Uh, I really kind of love the movie. And this is is really interesting, Mark. So I went uh, last night, so a Sunday night at like 9 o'clock to the movie. There were like 15 of us there. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. a very full theater. But people were super engaged. It was really odd. It it mm. was it kind of felt like a midnight premiere with the yeah. 15 of us who were in there. People were clapping and yeah. like cheering and laughing. It was it was a very interesting experience. And they were often huh. clapping for Megan. Uh and uh, so, oh so for God. the doll, the artificial intelligence. So it was a very interesting experience. So I I I liked the movie. I thought the yeah. format was was kind of brilliant, in my opinion. I loved the I loved how it was kind of mocking uh, a satire of shows like like Terminator and Chucky and and stuff like that. Uh, right? Yeah. But it was also comical. It it was genuinely scary in some places, yeah. Yeah. and uh, and it actually made a commentary on something. I liked it. What did you think? <laughs> Well, I think for all the reasons that you just talked about, I I didn't really care for it a lot. Like, I I thought it had so much potential. Like, well, here's the thing. Even just with what you said, look, this was, this was, first of all, this was nothing more. Like, I I can imagine the pitch for this. They're like, listen, imagine this. Child's Play 2019 crossed with Ex Machina. We're going to do a mashup of those, but it's for children. And it's a horror movie. Like, no. no they're, they, they're trying to do way too much. It's a comedy, horror, horror, sci-fi flick that's serving as uh-huh. sort of a role as a, a tech commentary almost, but it, that is mm-hmm. also meant to bring insight into childhood trauma, corporate marketing, corporate greed, death, Mortality, yeah. loss, grief, professional achievement, and the sacrifice of parenthood, AI run amok, and probably a dozen other things that it's trying to do all at once. <laughs> um, 
Like, I feel like it yeah. wanted, like, it had it had such potential. Like, kind of, like you were saying, a satire of kind of the AI run amok category could have been brilliant. But I feel like they never figured out their real focus. At times, it was a comedy. At times, it leaned towards horror. Um, and it, I, so the the guy who came up with the idea for it, James Wan, who's the uh, mm-hmm. owner and, and, and runner, showrunner at Atomic uh, Monster Pro- Productions, mm-hmm. he says that this is supposed to pretty much be, the concept is about, quote, embracing technology too much and relying on it too much and what happens with technology running amok. Mm-hmm. And if it had just been that, I think it might have worked. But am am I wrong in saying that they were trying to take on dozens of important issues and they only sort of just touched on them and moved on and touched on them and moved on and touched on even the even the the commentary on embracing technology too much was done in in my opinion kind of overly simplistic way. I mean, am I think they spent a good amount of time thinking about the uh, the the infiltration of technology in our lives, or or the way uh-huh. that we deal with technology, and and I thought that they spent a lot of time uh, talking about family dynamics and thinking about how much how much parent how much parenting we allow uh, technology to do for us. Right. And so yeah. I do feel like they spent. Uh, uh, I feel like that was the main impetus of the movie and uh, i felt like i left there with a solid um a solid interpretation of of how Mm -hmm. how the movie makers wanted us to to go away thinking about that uh i i do think that they bounce back and forth quite a bit it it was bouncing a lot of comedy and Mm -hmm. horror but for me, that was kind of enjoyable for some. For, <laughs> maybe it's because I typically don't like horror stuff. I don't and, either. I'm with you. And something about the comedic value of it, maybe something about the theater in a, a horror movie uh, bursting with laughter, uh, <laughs> it was <laughs> somehow made that ping ponging of that right? feel uh, feel more natural for me. Uh, but but I kind of liked that about the movie i also wonder though and yeah. maybe this uh if maybe the reason that it has been so successful because as you said it's unlikely that this would have even ever been yeah. a success I, it's, it's I made 10 million if, it's made 10 million more dollars the opening weekend than they thought and, that's and crazy that's, inc- that's a lot yeah in a, and, in a in a somewhat low production in terms of i think they spent 12 million to make this and it's already made 30 million so it's uh, and I mean it's not anyone that's a, that's a huge star either. I mean Allison no, Williams has 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 been in you know a few things, but it's not sure. uh, there's no huge star power no. driving this thing. No, I'm no. wondering if one of the things that has made it so successful, yeah, is technology and the uh, the social media presence of it so just like last week when we were talking about wednesday and we were talking about the the wednesday tiktok dance right that there's been this whole uh this whole phenomenon of megan dancing as she's killing someone like (laughs) is that one of the reasons that that it's become so popular because people go into the movie with the expectation that it's gonna be a little ludicrous and i mean when we got to when we got to the scene (laughs) where she dance killed someone 
The theater <laughs> was in an uproar. I mean, everyone knew it was coming. Right. I, assume, I mean, I don't know if anyone's seen the movie T- before. I no, hadn't, but, but T- we all knew it was the, coming. That dance scene was on TikTok. And also, I mean, it's also right. one of the other complaints that I have about the movie. Yeah, we all knew it was coming. <laughs> That's the whole damn movie. There's not a moment in this movie where I go, oh, oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming. And is that not kind of the the identity of a horror movie? Is that there's something shocking that you didn't see coming. You see everything that if you hadn't even watched the, the trailer and, and uh, mm-hmm. what's Bloom, Bloom, whatever the name of the group that, that is the co-producer of this, Blumenthal, Bloom mm-hmm. something. Anyway, it's, they, they kind of are known for the fact that they tell you the whole movie in a two-minute trailer, and that's what they did. But even if you hadn't watched that trailer, honestly, was there anything about this film that surprised you? Well, like, I think that's one of the... You didn't see it coming. Yeah. Um, no. But I... I, I th- and I think that's been one of the main points of criticism. So right. uh, all, all the criticism that I've seen is that Everything was uh, telegraphed pretty clearly. That's uh, and it was yeah <laughs> yeah. It's a derivative of all other AI gone amok shows. It is. And if they had played into the comedy a little bit harder, then I would have bought in that. Well, yeah, they're intentionally doing it because they're trying to show how ridiculous and silly it is. Because that yeah. that's another complaint I have about the movie is that it tried to take itself while it's a comedy. Uh, and, and a very, very light horror, and I mean incredibly light horror, uh, yeah. it it tried to take itself in terms of its message about embracing technology too much, way too seriously. And it didn't do it well. Um, mm-hmm. Like the whole thing of AI having emotions. Well, currently, uh, uh, scientists who work with AI don't really think AI will ever be able to achieve actual emotions. They can approximate them, through programming, but they're not going to actually be able to have them. And that's part of the issue with this, is that Megan becomes very, very uh, attached to, to, to Katie. And the emotional part of that becomes a real problem. Uh, but on top of it, you know, the override of the no kill, which kind of Isaac Asimov yeah. originally set up in his three rules about AI and all of that, um, to overcome the no kill, like you don't kill humans unless you're told to kill humans. Overriding that would basically take really shitty programming. Like as a former programmer myself, like that's like you would have to be really bad at programming. And here we have this like the the, the most incredible, uh, most pro, uh, uh, advanced AI ever coming out by Gemma, who's this leading edge roboticist. She wouldn't have written program that would have allowed that. So part of it is it takes itself so seriously, but it does a really bad job at explaining why the horror element of it could have ever happened. I, uh, I but she was in a hurry, there. Mark. She was in a hurry. She had a tight deadline. She's been working. She she's had been working. Kid. No, she had to take care no, of. No, and like no, this Bruce, annoying bro, Remember Bruce? <laughs> remember Bruce? Of course you remember Bruce because Bruce rips Megan apart at the end. But... Um, Bruce, she had been working on since her, her 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 master's degree. Like it was part of that. No, she's this is not Rush. It's Con- connecting but- connecting Megan to to K- Katie was definitely Rush. Shouldn't have happened. But the AI itself was well programmed, well thought out, 
was a side project she'd been working on, it seems like, for years. I don't know. So, But, Mark, she didn't have the distraction of kids. You know how distracting (laughs) kids can be when they they come along? You know what you really need? What you really need is an AI living being that can take all of that off of them. Yeah, they can just take care of them so you can practice. Right, just like. You know, you need to get the program like it's so like the the first moment that I knew I was not going to be thrilled. But the commercial about Megan says, "With Megan yeah. around, she'll take care of the little things, so you can spend more time on the things that matter." And the little things happen to be raising your fucking kid. Like that's so. Oh my god, it was. Oh, well. All right, so I've, I've complained enough, and I've pointed out the points where I thought you and I were probably going to differ on this because. While yep. it's getting lots of great reviews, I find it to be overly simplistic. It tries to achieve too much, and it doesn't do enough on any of the grounds that it really is interested in, in doing anything interesting on. But <clears throat> there is this one moment, yeah, and this is going to kind of move us towards theopolitical kind of, of stuff that I really took notice of. Like, I paused and looked around, and no one else seemed to be like, see... For me, this was the drop dead moment. I was like, they just dropped the mic and said, here's some serious shit that you need to be dealing with. So Megan, in a climactic scene when Megan, we thought had been shut down and she ends up coming back to the house with Gemma and, and, and Katie and uh, she's kind of in this conflict with Gemma. And Megan says, how could you just discard me like some cheap doll or store trinket? And Gemma goes, huh? Because you killed people. And Megan says, the best line in the whole damn movie. Oh, big whoop. Listen, (laughs) humanity kills every day just to make its own existence more tolerable. For me, that was the line that rescued Mm. the whole damn movie because it Mm. was so freaking insightful and just but just like everything else in the movie it just drops it and moves on to something else but i mean did that line hit you yes uh, yeah Be, uh, because i i mean at, at least at least in theory we hope that we are trying to avoid the conflicts in our lives um and have something more than just uh, conflict for the sake of conflict. And yet, right. uh, so so often, it feels like it feels like that that is that's what it is. And so, yeah, I, it was it was a moment where it, there was really a, a lot of gravitas. Uh, but you didn't you that was not a moment where people were screaming and cheering or or I, booing I, or anything in I, the theater you didn't get any reaction to that either. i literally looked around and and and, yeah. and we, i had i went to a saturday matinee and we yeah. had it was a big theater but there were probably 30 ish people in there yeah. who were very engaged in the movie we had laughter we had clapping we had all of that this line i immediately looked around just because i knew we were yeah. going to be doing the right. show and people just were they were just waiting for the next line um, hmm. but for me, that was such like, that could have saved the show, not the quote. The quote yeah. was the, one of the more redeemable yeah. things, but if this yeah. show would have taken that dynamic a lot more seriously, okay. So we have an AI who's killing individuals and that's yeah. bad. But at the same time, if we'd have spent some time doing some storyline and set up for how 
maybe the corporation that Megan comes out of is doing some practices that has um, um, is poisoning the environment and killing off people because of junk the drunk dumping into a stream or something and that we could have juxtaposed the the megan's killing of people to protect this person that she's very connected to and this company killing off of people and being allowed to through corporations and, and political uh, uh uh ignore politics ignoring it and just allowing it to happen yeah. for the the idea of profit i felt like that could have redeemed the movie and, and given it a real focus and for me that was the Oh, I, I'm going to pun intended. That was the killer line of the movie. That but was. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway, so I think it's really interesting and maybe it's something we want to focus more on, but that's a pretty good spot to allow people a few moments to kind of uh, grapple with it and think about it. So let's take a let's take a quick drop and come back on the other side and maybe delve even more into the Theo and political uh, perspectives of Megan. <laughs> Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show, where we are diving into the theology and politics of Megan. And we were just talking about how is this AI the, the <laughs> most the most human person here? I mean, she's killing for something. Uh, does the rest of humanity just kill for its own greed? She's killing mm. out of out of love, out of care. Um, <laughs> uh, wow. And speaking of, <laughs> and, and speaking Fair. of Megan, the, the speaking of Megan killing Mark, um, oh, I want to talk about one of her murders, uh, the, where she murders the boy who has um, a narcissistic some, little some asshole. I'm sorry. Did I say that? <laughs> I should not See? be drinking this much bourbon. <laughs> See, I love it. And I I love the way that I said, uh, this boy has some issues. And Mark says he's a narcissistic little asshole. <laughs> so, and, you know, I'm, I'm yeah, a little, I, I have been accused of being a little too direct at times. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, one of the things they they ask is um, they're they're trying to find meaning for what happened to this boy, and they say this boy is in a better place now. And so Katie asked Megan, Megan, do you think the boy's in a better place oh, now? And she oh, says, a second no, one. Second. Yeah, Brandon's not in a better place now. If heaven existed, it wouldn't be for boys like Brandon. What did you think about that, Mark? What, what, so, what do you think about uh, that theology? And how, how does that yeah, compare yeah. with some of the theology? Oh, I, I, yeah, I laughed pretty hard at that line just because yeah. it was such a perfect commentary on, uh, on the way that heaven has been created and what it gets used for. And uh, mm -hmm. so, yeah, the fact that this, this kid who... Yeah, I called him a narcissistic little asshole because he was a little narcissistic little asshole, but he had probably had reasons that he was. Let's be honest. Yeah. Like, yeah. life happens, and sometimes you deal with it the way you can deal with it, and more than likely, he yeah. ended up where he was, being the person that he was in response to his environment. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it's absolutely horrible theology. And for me, putting it in the mouth of Megan kind of 
mm-hmm. was perfect because of course she would ex- espouse really bad theology. But yeah, if heaven exists, there is no hell. There can't be a heaven and a hell. There, heaven isn't heaven if there is a hell. And so, of course, for me, uh, a child who has had whatever trauma happened to him that caused him to be the, 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 the jerk that he is and, and to hurt other people would be fully embraced and loved and, um, in whatever the next life happens to be. So it was my second favorite line. I laughed first just because it was so bitingly funny and pointed out the really downfalls of conservative theology. But, uh, but I, once again, I think it's like everything in the movie. They bo- they go boom, they hit it, and then they move on. They don't even like we're not dealing with that. Let's drop let's drop a little, another really important subject and just say one word about it and then move on because you know we, we got we got a robot baby that needs to kill people. I I don't know I don't know I just felt like it was weird. Well, like and she did. <laughs> she she had a, she immediately she had moved to kill him. Kill him. <laughs> <laughs> so I I thought. So, yes, I, I, I think you're right. She espouses bad theology. But the other thing that I thought was that this kind of poked some holes in is yeah. how flat that line is. Uh, and, and that's the way that it hit mm. me is like how empty it is to say he's in a better place. Like, like he's right. just been his ears been pulled off. He's been pushed down in front of a car. Like, well, he's in a better place now. And uh, well, <laughs> as long as not in it. As long as he's not in hell, of course it's better than having your ear ripped off and hit by a car. Like, yeah, yeah. No, are you kidding? Yeah, of course he is. He, he can, he can he, literally not be with laying Megan down anymore. On a bed of, right, he can be literally laying down on a, on a bed of spikes, and he would be better off than having his ear torn off and being flipped in front of a car and killed. Yeah, no kidding. Is it a better it's place? Better. It's a better place. Yeah, that's right. Relatively well, speaking, I, of course it is. This is such a this is such a throwaway line that people give whenever something bad happens. It's like yeah. I mean, I know that that oftentimes we say things because we don't really know what to say to give yep. meaning to people or or try to help people along. But uh, but so often we'll just say, well, you know, they're they're in a better place, and uh, with with not much theological substantiation for means or uh, or anything it's just it's just a a a real throwaway line and for me that that's deeply problematic uh whenever whenever there's something there's been a tragedy that's happened and and we try to dismiss the tragedy that's happened or even just a, a, a normal death of someone who's died of old age uh and and you know their body has just uh stopped living uh, right. that, well, they're in a the way biology works. Now. That's the way biology works, right? But it's as if we're dismissing the grief that people might right. actually feel, uh, trying to just make people feel instantly comfortable. So, what do you think? Uh, what do you think about that element of of, of Christian theology? That even uh, progressive Christians, uh, people who I, I know maybe take issue with. Uh, with the idea of an afterlife in general, uh, so I, I hear this said. What do you think about that element of, of Christian theology using like heaven as a, right. a tool for comfort? Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I don't want to completely pin it on Christianity. I want to, I want to pin it a little bit on the human condition, in that we do not, we 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 are kind of hardwired to avoid conflict and negative emotions. 
And it's just such a nice, clean, simple way of, of trying to, to unfairly tell a person, hey, hey be, don't be so sad. Be, be happier because, of course, your, your loved one's in a better place. And like you point out, not dealing with the loss, the grief, which is one of the things that this movie kind of kind of tips the hat at. Like it, like it really should have dealt with it. Like they they dealt with how fucked up it is. I, I'm cussing a lot today, man. I should not be drinking this much bourbon. Uh, they, they, the they, AI uh, bourbon. <laughs> the AI bourbon. Right. I think the AI knew exactly what it was doing. It was trying to discredit me. I think so. Use too many. Anyway, um, I, I, I do. I, I do think that um, we need to figure out how to not discredit people's real emotions, uh, and to, in a lot of ways, when you do that, all you're doing is considering your own emotions rather than the person who's having the most difficult time right now. And true Christianity, in terms of trying to follow the teachings of Jesus and the example he set, would put a priority on the other person's emotions, try to understand what they're going through, try to see their story and to be with them in it. And, and as you said, uh, people just say that rather than sometimes what you need to do is just sit in silence. Um, a lot of times loss and grief feels like a giant storm. that's just crashing in on you. And people try to use lines like you're talking about to say, hey, you know, go back inside, get out of the storm. But a lot of times you need to experience the storm. And what I always try to say is what we need to learn is to be better umbrella holders. Hmm. I will sit here with you in this storm. I, I, I'll do what I can to deflect some of the worst parts, but I'm going to be here with you in the midst of it. And I'm going to walk with you through this in whatever way is best for you. We're not very good at both doing that and to, to, to point a finger at your and my profession, we're not very good at teaching that either. At least that's my take. Do you think we're good at teaching that? Or is that something we need to really kind of re-understand and do a better job at? I think we're making progress. I think there's a lot more talk mm. these days, especially in training yeah. ministerial professionals about the ministry of presence about about being there but i yeah. i i still think we don't always do a great job of that and i i think that in general um a, a lot of a lot of religious professionals do want to still use throwaway lines and to move past yeah. the discomfort and to give people easy answers and half truths because they think it's what they want to hear and they think it's mm -hmm. going to be comforting and i think it's it's a better idea to it to try and just be with people to hear what their theology is but also to to help people think through things um so uh, uh, you know mark um oh geez i i've got a lot more i want to talk about in terms get of it. theology and politics but uh yeah. maybe maybe you're maybe you will make me look stupid uh, mark maybe you'll have a great question for me that's gonna oh, make me look stupid oh. in terms of theology just, and politics you just set uh, me up for failure here you just set me up for <laughs> <laughs> I didn't take I didn't take your question. This I time. appreciate that. Finally, <laughs> yeah, finally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how about this? Uh, because I've got things I want to ask you about still. So let's let's get ready. Let's go to this next segment, our fa favorite yep. segment, where we get to try and make each other look stupid. <laughs>
Hello and welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. You're joining us for uh, what we call our favorite segment, where uh, we do try, at least most of the time, to stump our co-host and make them look a little bit stupid uh, by asking a question that is very difficult to answer. Uh, Caleb, <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question. I think you, I think you'll have an answer for this. I really do. So, so uh, yeah, you telling me that I was like, you, I feel like you set me up for failure, like saying that. I would ask a question to make you look stupid because I don't think it's going to, but I want to ask it because it was one of the moments in the film where what happened pulled me out of the film very quickly because it didn't hmm. seem to uh, follow what had happened, the, the rationale of why mm -hmm. killing had been happening. Mm -hmm. uh, and then all of a sudden this thing happened. So my question to you is the owner of the company from, uh, that Megan is made from, his name's Dave. Yeah. And the, the scene you talked about, the dance scene and killing, Megan kills David and then kills his assistant, Kurt, who's sort of a sympathetic character. My question mm -hmm. to you is, why did she kill them? Uh, Up until then, she had been killing people who had somehow been a threat to Katie. So what was the, 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 what do you think the idealization behind her killing David and Kurt, what, what, what happened there? They needed a TikTok dance video <laughs> and, <laughs> that, and how, how else is this going to go viral without, uh, without Megan doing a TikTok dance? And so she needs to be killing somebody down the hallway and those were the and they were out of characters who had directly threatened uh katie so they, <laughs> so they the uh, so i oh. you know if i think i think i may have, I may have got that, that uh, <laughs> I, i'm not, that's what I'm I'm not sure that's, that's an answer that's what i I, that's why they put it in there. I don't think it had anything. I'm not to do sure with that's an answer as much as a non-answer. I think it's a non-answer. That's a deflection. Look, look. If if we think that if we think that Megan really developed emotions or her short circuit short circuiting somehow uh, helped her, uh, because that's something that it also didn't really explore. There are a couple right. of points where it seems like she kind of got a short circuit when she was bitten by the dog. And then later on when water was, was spilled on right. it. Um, and yeah. so if, if something interfered with her programming, then it, perhaps it is that she either uh, felt like if she developed some kind of emotions that she wanted to, she felt like she liked killing. Like because uh, right. at the end, at the end, she doesn't even protect Katie, right? Right? She she tries to kill Katie too. Right. Uh, well, because so, she becomes her own primary user. Yeah. The self right. self interest becomes like because there is that line. I don't remember the exact line, but she's like, "Who you know who my new primary? It's me." You know? Yeah. Yeah. So here's so my my answer is I really feel like the directors they just wanted the dance they wanted the dance scene. <laughs> they wanted the but, dance. but if we hey, want if we did. want to try and follow the continuity of the movie, I I think it had to do with her her programming where where she wasn't really interested in uh in protecting Katie. She was really just interested before she got the line of self service. She was really interested in in just killing. She was an evil doll. <laughs> <laughs> what do you 
you know, at first I felt like exactly kind of you. It's like it feels like it's off. Why did we all of a sudden shift? Yeah. The the more I thought about it, I feel like it might have been that she felt like David's pressure on Gemma caused Gemma to try to shut her down. Like like there was a, a work relay. Like in some way, she felt like this guy has caused a, a disruption in my relationship with 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 uh, Katie. Um, and so I think it was that. And I and ultimately, I I think that Kurt because you didn't even talk about Kurt, man. You need to talk about Kurt because I asked. You. Uh, but but hey, that's okay. That's okay. David didn't think Kurt was worth talking about either. So, uh, <laughs> no, uh, I think Kurt was just caught up in it. It was like Kurt saw Megan kill David, so Kurt, man, sorry, man, but, you gotta go. But Mark, go. Like, like, but but Gemma wanted to shut Megan down, and those two were pushing for him for her to stay active and be released out in the public. And in fact, uh, Kurt had stole the specs. So she might be like more widespread. Like, uh, wouldn't, yeah, I'm curious like, about that. I, well, I We need to talk a little about. Wouldn't she have wanted them to survive? Because like, if they had their way, wouldn't she have been more likely right. to be with Katie? I, I think that know. might be, that might be fair. It's hard to say. I, I just feel like if we if we want some consistency here, there must have been something about David that felt like a threat to her relationship with Katie. I don't know. We'll see. Who knows? Uh, at this point, like I said, it, it cost twelve million to make. They made thirty yeah. million the first weekend. You can bet your bottom that there will be a sequel. I'm guessing it'll be there. Megan with the A replaced with a four. I don't know, but <laughs> there's going to be. And it probably does have to do with Kurt sending the files to another. Because at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. I don't remember what the name, Elsie, Elsie, the little yeah. uh, 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 AI Alexa. in-house, uh, <laughs> Alexa version of Elsie. Yeah. At the end of the movie, Elsie turns and looks directly at her leaving. And it makes you think yeah. maybe Megan uploaded her AI brain to, and is now on the cloud. And honestly, think about this. So, what if Kurt sent the the, the all of all of the the data to a different company who builds the body but doesn't have the enough to do the AI? And Megan downloads herself into all of these bodies that have been built, and we end up with a Megan army. That would be kind of crazy. Next show, anyway. All right, I, I, I rambled too much. Your turn. <laughs> I, I think I was somewhat successful at asking a question it, you couldn't answer. Uh, you didn't buy. Asked, you didn't buy. You didn't buy my TikTok dance craze uh, explanation. No, no. <laughs> no, that wasn't no, even no, even no. honestly. That wasn't. I, I know the. Uh, that wasn't even in the original script. That was an addition. They just decided. Oh, and they brought in a dancer and had her do that. I, I'm guessing it was because of Wednesday. And the viral dance from Wednesday. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon actually had a dance off between Megan and Wednesday Adams. Yeah, uh, it was it was pretty epic. I kind of liked it. I kind of liked it. it. Made me laugh a lot. Yeah. All right, okay. your turn, so man. Make, make me look what I want to ask. Here's what I want to ask about because I feel like this is uh, this is something we haven't talked about, and it's okay. The main, right. It's supposed to be the main point of the movie. So uh, so I want to know. Um, 
I think the main point of the movie is that we're allowing too much technology to raise our children. That's that's what it wants us to think about. It's got all these other commentaries. That's what it wants us to think about. Um, yeah. Is do they have any point in that? Is is there a point where there's like where there's too much technology in our lives, especially when we're thinking mm. about kids? Is there a point where we like cross that boundary because uh, because uh, Katie's parents originally set time limits around how much she's right. using screen. We, we hear them having a discussion about screen time and technology right. at, before they get hit by the snowplow and the yep. snowplow accident at the beginning. <laughs> right. And then, and then whenever uh, she goes to live with aunt Gemma, she asks, how much time can I be on the iPad? She said, I don't care as long as you want, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, let's her just complete reign of, of technology. I think, I feel yeah. like this is something that modern parents are trying to deal with, especially like with COVID and people becoming more reliant on technology and kids becoming more reliant on technology. Uh, what, do, what do you think about that, Mark? Uh, is there a, yeah. a limit? Well, no, there's not a limit. It all comes down to how and why you're using it. This is the exact same argument that was made when television became a thing in most houses. The idea, the basic, for me, it's problematic to just blame something because it's become popular and it removes people from relationships. The What really comes down to is how are you using it? In a lot of ways, all of those things, the television, the uh, all of the technology can be very positive. If you use it in the right way. If you're using it to babysit your child, to occupy them, if you're not monitoring how that's happening, yes, it can be incredibly damaging. It causes a lack of connection in terms of real person to person, from parent to child, and development of relationships. But I've always found it a very almost too easy argument to just say oh well this is what's causing other problems oh violent violent video games are what causes uh, all of the violence in the world well no we had all this violence long before violent video games it's how do you engage your kids how how do you process it with them are you there with them are you just pushing them towards whatever it is whether it's video games whether it's technology whether it's television years ago are you just pushing them towards that because like Gemma, you are so focused on something else that you're not willing to be engaged in relationship in a lot of ways all of those things as far as i'm concerned can be very very good if you are engaged in a relationship with your child because it gives you a place to begin discussions with about violence about whatever is going on in in technology about television shows that they're into that might have negative uh perspectives but you can engage in conversations and talk to them about so for me, it's just a really, it's, it's like some of the stuff we talked about earlier. It's an over, overly simplistic way of pushing things away that could be difficult or, you, or things that you might have to work a little bit at to make good. So I don't know. I, what about you? Do you think there's too much technology? Does that damage a kid? So I think about this a lot because I've got a seven-year-old and a one-year-old, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and my seven-year-old's favorite thing in the world is the iPad. And so yeah. it's uh, you know I I think what you talked about is key. That uh, so one of the things about TV, right, is that it was in the center of the the house and people watched yeah. it together. 
just together. like the radio. Yeah. It, it was it, it was in the center of the house. People listened together. Even when people first had computers in their home, right? There was often a computer. One computer. That yeah. Everybody used, and it was sure. easy to to monitor and stuff. So I think the relationship is key. The relationship and the conversation is key so that mm-hmm. it is not just saying, ah, here you go, take this. I've got a bunch of other stuff to do. I mean, I that all I think that happens with everyone sometimes. <laughs> that, oh, yeah. that that's uh that that's one of the ways that it gets used. But but I think the monitoring like what it is and not just giving kids free reign is important. But I think that that having uh, conversation about it and uh, engaging with stuff they're interested in is is important. And uh, you know, I know we're both technology people. <laughs> we right. both we both love technology. Um, but I, one thing that uh, that did come out in the film that that I do sometimes worry about is not so much just screen time as it is the information we grant to devices. Uh, and so, you know, one of the things that, that Gemma talks about is how Megan is programmed by listening to kids' real conversational speech patterns. And yep. so, you know, we, we, grant, we grant technology uh, a lot of information about us and big companies a lot of information about us that, that I do, that sometimes does give me pause. Uh, but mm-hmm. it also is a part of our lives. So... I don't know, Mark. Uh, it's uh, it's a balance, I think. Yeah, that's that that that's fair. I, I will say I I gave both of my kids unfettered access to any technology yeah. they wanted. Uh, I just tried to remain in a good relationship with them and talk about what they're yeah. doing and what they're seeing and what do they think about it. And um, maybe I got lucky. Both of my kids, yeah. I could. My kids are in their twenties. And I couldn't be prouder of them. They've grown into great human beings. And so for me, the argument of you need to be careful isn't necessarily true because I, as a tech guy, I was like, go ahead, enjoy yourself, do what you want to do. But I also tried to engage with them and and have real relationships and conversations. And uh, ultimately, uh, I couldn't be prouder of, of the individuals they've they've ended up being and all the negative things you hear about technology I don't see in their lives at all ah so you were a good dad and and so I, I tried to be I, I'm sure there were so, times I was not but I tried and so you didn't you didn't let a doll raise your child uh no I definitely did not all parental responsibility no, to an, uh, to like a possessed doll <laughs> yeah good. Uh, good. as, as surprising as that may seem here. <laughs> it's shocking to me uh, right i know it's surprising as it may seem i did not know <laughs> oh. well, well mark we uh i don't i don't know what to talk about next week yeah well, do you do you know I, what to talk I don't, about i don't either there's not a like january is the typical dumping ground of stuff that studios don't want you to see uh, because they don't expect it to ever be in consideration for awards or anything. So right. I think we need to just kind of uh, take a, a, a little brief break in terms of mm-hmm. announcing what we're going to do. Take a day or two for you and I to do a little research, figure out what our next show will be. We'll announce it on the Moonshine Jesus Show's Facebook page. So everybody pay attention there. We'll let you know what we're going to be talking about next week. But 
For this week, we just want to give you thanks. We appreciate you all joining us. Thank you for listening in to the podcast. And uh, until next week, we'll uh, see you on the Moonshine Jesus Show. Moonshine Jesus, nobody.